Good morning, everybody. I wonder how it would feel <laughs> to be Barack Obama and to walk up here and everybody would, have you heard him speak? I'm sure you've heard him speak and he walks in and everybody starts clapping. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. No. <laughs> And he keeps saying, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> that would just be weird. I guess I'm old enough to be most of you folks' dad. Uh, I have a son that maybe some of you know. Randall Miller uh, is my son. He was born you know, sometime in the, in the 90s there. Does that, does that hit most of you guys in the 90s? That's pretty amazing. How, uh, how many of you uh, young men uh, know my son Randall? You want to you wanna stand? Wow. Well, that is, that's, that's a connection. Thanks, guys. How many of you girls know him? <laughs> it's, um, it's, I guess it's really great for me to be here with you and, 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 uh, and to have that connection. I'm also related to uh, Angela, of course, and she's my niece. You know, we all have these amazing birth stories and, and these, she comes from a girl of, she comes from a family of a lot of girls only girls, actually. Did you know that? Yeah. Only girls. Her father comes from a family of only boys. Right. Just, a, just some interesting uh, a little, little details there. But you know what? As I, as I think about our, uh, our, our, our title here, preparing ourselves to impact our culture. How are we going to do that? How can we do that? Is it something we want to do? I think, uh, I think all of us long to, to, to make a difference, right? To have an impact. Uh, and, and, and the amazing thing about it is I, I guess it's what God is calling us to, right? When you read the scriptures, it's what he's calling us to. And you know what? As a as a father, I, I guess as I was as I was as a young dad, and, and and as I held my son Randall for the first time, and and not the first time. I, I remember one time I, when he was just little, I was sitting in my rocking chair and I was rocking him, and just like your dad did you. And I I was I, I thought about the fact that when Randall in sixteen years, isn't this profound? In sixteen years, he'll be sixteen. Wow, and there's nothing. Absolutely nothing I can do to stop it. It's going to happen, right? And I, and I just remember being thankful that uh, there was a God who can help and bless my children. But over the years, my, 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 uh, my, prayer, my prayer has changed a little bit. Even just recently, I've been thinking of... And so when I pray with my two-year-old son, his name's Lincoln... I have Randall, and then we have my wife, Anne, who's with me here this morning, and we have six daughters. And two of them are here, Kilmeny and Raquel. And, and so we have six daughters, and then here comes Lincoln. 
But as I, as, I, as, I, as I pray with Lincoln at night now, my prayers are a little bit different. So when I pray that, that God would use Lincoln for his glory and that he would walk with God, I also pray for, for Malachi. And I pray for Carson. You know, those are those little guys that are Randall's age. They're only two years old. And, but you know what? If his friends are walking with God, I'm concerned about his friends, and I'm concerned that they're walking with God, and because we have an influence on each other, don't we? We can impact each other. So my my concern is not just about me and my family. So that's, that's that's maybe something good for you to start younger than I did. Okay, start as you pray for your children. Hopefully, maybe you'll have some children. Pray for their fam for the their friends, and that they would walk with God and so that this influence can increase and, and our impact can be greater. So, you know what? Randall's actually in Kansas right now. I just texted him a little bit ago back here. Did he reply yet, Ann? I thought maybe he had a special message for you all. He left Kansas. He was in Kansas for four weeks uh, on the CAST program, and uh, he's actually on his way to the West Coast right now. Him and two other fellows, uh, a fellow he just met at CBS Eric McGrath, and then there's a German guy they met in uh, Hutchinson, Kansas. He's over here from Germany working with Interfaith Housing in Hutchinson, and they got to know this Victor. He doesn't know English the best, but he wanted to go with them to see the West Coast. So I, I'm hoping that it can be a, a great experience for them. So I think they're in, they're in the, uh, they started yesterday, and they're in uh, the Grand Canyon. Yeah, the Grand Canyon uh, today, and heading for L.A. So... But, I, but uh, you know, Randall is a, uh, those of you who know him, I mean, he's, a, he's actually a pretty good volleyball player. But he's, he's got some issues in his life, too. You know, uh, some problems. Uh, just like his dad. Yeah. In fact, I, I wondered if, if uh, maybe two of you guys who know Randall would come up here with me. There's Tommy. He's not a bad volleyball player either. I'm not sure about George. <laughs> <laughs> guys, come here. You guys, are you guys walking with God? I am. Good. George? Yep. Good. I'm going to pray for these two young men. And then, fellas, I want you to pray for me. Okay. I'll, uh... You'd rather do a silent prayer? No, I can pray. Okay. <laughs> God, I thank you for these young men here. Men who have... Uh, been with Randall, men who have, uh, I'm sure, have had an influence on his life. Bless these young men. Give them hearts for you. Bless their walk with you. Continue, oh God, to use them for your glory. Pray for Randall, too. Thank you, God, for him. And I pray that you would watch over him as he uh, travels today, as they see the wonders of your creation. As they see uh, that the that, as, as they worship you, and as they, I just pray that could be their experience, and that as they see your creation, they could be reminded of how that you're creating yourself in them. That's your longing for all of us. So bless George and Tom. Bless our time together in Jesus' name. Dear Father, I just thank you for this opportunity that we have to be here. Um, bless all the youth that came. Help each one of us to be open to what you want us to hear, really especially as 
that you would help us to to realize our, our needs of you and I also ask that you would be with Ronnie right now as he's preparing to give us talks just help him to have a clear mind and to hear what he needs to hear from you to give to us also ask that you would be with Randall right now as he's traveling help him to have a enjoyable and safe time in your name dear God thank you for um, this absolutely beautiful day you've given us mm -hmm. pray that you would be with um, Randall right now as he's traveling Lord pray that you would keep him safe and um, if it be your will pray that you would be with um, Ronnie here as he talks to us pray that um, we would be open to um, learn from what he has to tell us and that um, we could go away um, closer than closer to you than um, when we came. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. You know, there's words. Uh, I, I bought a dictionary back in the early 80s. There's words in that dictionary. There, there's, there, I'm sorry. There's words that you're familiar with today that aren't in that dictionary. And I'm sure you've thought about that already, but just take the word... Uh, uh, Facebook, okay, not in the dictionary. Uh, take the word cell phone, uh, not in the dictionary. I, I checked on this, okay? Uh, take the word Twitter. Uh, it means to make a series of light, sharp vocal sounds, chip, chirp like a bird. Uh, it's not in the dictionary. Take the word internet, internet, not in the dictionary. Can you believe it? <laughs> Uh, that's pretty interesting. YouTube, not in the dictionary. As I think about God, the creator, this marvelous God, this great world, this wonderful world, this, this, create, this, this God who creates and saves, and this world in which we live and dwell, and, 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 I, and I, I could just picture him... Uh, saying, you know what, I need someone for the 900s, okay, 900 B.C., uh, maybe a shepherd, uh, see, a giant slayer, uh, harp player, uh, sweet psalmist of Israel, a king, okay, David, that's who it's going to be, David, he's the man. Okay, uh, how about going to the 600s, so we're 300 years later, Daniel, and his three friends. And, and uh, I, I need someone that's going to impact that world, that world of, uh, of uh, captivity, okay? To make a difference in the Bab Babylon Empire. And, and, so, and so he chooses Daniel and his three friends, and, and you know the story. You know how these young men uh, influenced their world. They were not afraid of dangerous places, right? They were not afraid to stand up for what they believed. And God used them in amazing ways. And remember the time when, they, when, they, when he threw them into the furnace and uh, seven times hotter. This is a familiar story to all of you, I'm sure. So hot, in fact, that the soldiers who threw them in there were killed. And, and uh, when they came out of that fiery furnace, they were and out of danger. They were now more dangerous than ever, right? Uh, the king made a proclamation, this is the God, right? You've got to serve him or I'm sorry, you're, uh, it's not going to go very well with you, you know? We're going to come in and do a little damage to your house and place and, you know, 
better better serve this God. And then and then I and I'm thinking of uh, I was 600. And and then you have uh, uh, about I think it was about uh, 300 uh, BC. You know, remember the story of Esther. And uh, I thought I better bring a few girls in here, right? It's not all about the guys, okay? So we have Esther, and we have this beautiful queen of Ahasuerus. And, and um, her uncle Mordecai said these amazing words to her. He said, when, when she was wondering if she had the courage, when she was wondering about her fate, and when she was wondering if she had the courage to do what God had called her to do, Mordecai said these amazing words. He said, who knows whether you'll come to the kingdom for such a time as this. And so then, I'm, then I'm thinking of 2011, and I'm thinking that God is, in his choosing, right, he's saying, you know what, I'm going to need a special group of people for this particular age, for this particular culture, for this particular culture where technology is exploding and where evil is abounding, and for this particular culture, I'm going to call, is it Sherry? Sherry? Here she is right here on the front. Sherry Byler, her sister. Remember, I'm 46. Sheila, Sheila, there's uh, Sam Troyer back there, there's, uh, I saw Gary, he had a name tag in the back, I, I, I don't know if he's, I don't know Gary, but George, uh, he, he said, you know what, these are the people for this time, just as critical, just as critical as it is, as it was. For Daniel and his three friends, just as critical as it was for Esther, just as critical as it was for David to step up to the plate, to be prepared to, to meet the challenges of their culture and to have an influence and an impact. Can you, can you think with me that it may just be that critical today that God chose you for this particular time this particular environment, your particular state, your particular county, your particular township. He placed you there for a particular reason to impact that part of the world, to be an influence, light, right? Jesus talks about light. To be, to have an impact, and Jesus talks about salt, right? Salt makes, has impact on contact, right? So as we live there, we are not afraid of the darkness, but we enter, we enter this world, right? We live in this world, and we change our environment. We change our culture. <laughs> Does that sound exciting? Does that sound like a dream that's too big? I don't think so. I wish uh, Deacon Smith would get this, turn the heat up in here. Is he around? I guess I'll have to. Uh...
I, I think I said the wrong words. Turn on the air, Deacon Smith. <laughs> I tried to get in Tommy's coat this morning, and uh, it didn't fit. <laughs> Sam's look at the table. Oh, this is actually pretty tight, too. There's a couple ways that we can impact and influence our culture. And this is probably one way, and I'd like for you to think with me as I tell this story about if this would be a way, if you think this would be a good way to do it. Okay. When I first noticed him, it was a cold, wintry day. And it was on the streets of Wheeling, West Virginia. <laughs> Thank you very much, brother. <laughs> Sign language. Sign language may be an effective way to impact our culture. When I first noticed him, he was standing on the streets of Wheeling, West Virginia. It was a cold winter day, and he had on his coat and his hat that looked very similar to this. Across from where he was standing, there was a large Presbyterian church. It was a huge and when I first saw him, you know what my reaction was? And it may be your reaction right now. Let me ask you, would this be a good way to choose to influence our culture? How many of you would be willing to stand in the cold and hold a sign that speaks so loudly and speaks a wonderful truth? Abortion kills children. As I, before I could get my thumb up, however, I had another thought. I wondered about a woman driving down that street that sees this sign. And two years ago, she had an abortion. Two years ago, she did what this sign tells her. She knows, she knows she killed her child, right? She knows. I had to wonder about that lady seeing that sign. I had to wonder how she would feel if she would see that sign. Because every time, every time right now when she sees a two-year-old, I'm sure she thinks, you know what, that could be my child, right? My child could be two. I wondered if she would walk up to that man and say, you know what? I, I really did wrong. Would you help me? I think she would, guys. 
I thought about another sign, okay? And I think this is a sign that I would be willing to hold. That, is that the right way? <laughs> Don't abort. Get support. Do you feel something a little bit different here? It reminds me of the story that Jesus shared with us in Luke 7. I'm going I'm to read that story now. If you have your Bibles, you can turn... I think since Deacon Smith has the heat on, I'll take my coat back off again. Luke chapter 7. I'm going to begin reading in verse 36. A woman anoints Jesus' feet. And one of the Pharisees desired, desired him that he would eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house and sat down to meet. And behold, a woman in the city, which was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment and stood at his feet behind him weeping. And began to wash his feet with tears, and did wipe them with the hairs of her head, and kissed his feet, and anointed them with the ointment. Now when the Pharisee which had bidden him saw it, he spake within himself, saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would have known who and what manner of woman this is that toucheth him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answering said unto him, Simon, I have somewhat to say to, to you, unto thee. And he saith, Master, say on. There was a certain creditor which had two debtors. The one owed 500 pence and the other 50. And when they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Tell me therefore which of them will love him most. Simon answered and said, I suppose that he to whom he forgave most. And he said unto him, Thou hast rightly judged. And he turned to the woman and said unto Simon. He's looking at the woman and he's talking to Simon. I, I don't know, it's just, it doesn't, you know, usually when you talk to someone you look at him, right? So he's talking to Simon, but he's looking at the woman. And this is what he's saying. Seest thou this woman? I entered into thine house. Thou gavest me no water for my feet, but she hath washed my feet with tears and wiped them with the hairs of her head. Thou gavest me no kiss, but this woman, since the time I came in, hath not ceased to kiss my feet. My head with oil thou didst not anoint, but this woman hath anointed my head, my feet with ointment. Wherefore I say unto thee, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much, but to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. And he said unto her, Thy sins are forgiven. And they that sat at meat with him began to say within themselves, Who is this that forgiveth sins also? 
And he said to the woman, Thy faith hath saved thee. Go in peace. It's an amazing story. Isn't it amazing that the God, the creator of heaven and earth, entered our world and was accused of not being religious enough? If you would have known who this is, Jesus, if you really were a prophet, uh, you would not let this woman treat you this way. And she's there wiping his feet and weeping and crying. Isn't it amazing that the God of heaven and earth, the creator of the world, the holy, righteous God, she, a sinner, comes, right? That, 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 that amazes me. The sinners crowded around him, right? The publicans, he was accused of eating with publicans and sinners. What was it about him that invited them to come? So he's in this place where he needs to act properly, but this woman throws things out of kelter a little bit. She enters this sacred, perfect, holy little world, and she disrupts things because she knows the heart of God. She knows the heart of Jesus, right? She knows that here she is going to find the love and acceptance not from Simon, right? But from Jesus, God himself. Does that, does that amaze us? It should, 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 that's amazing to me. And then Jesus tells this story about the creditor. I'm just wondering if maybe we are the people who are holding up these signs. You did wrong. I did it right. Isn't that kind of what abortion kills children? You did something wrong. But you come to my church and we'll help you get it right, right? Rather than like Jesus entering into their world, how are we going to have the most impact? I think it'd be better to meet that woman coming out of the back door of the abortion clinic, right? Caring for her. Loving her. Praying for her. I remember, this is a story that happened, it was, it's been probably five, six years ago, but it was after I started reading the Bible a lot, and I just had this longing to share God's Word with as many people as I could. And I was, uh, and, it, and God, it, there was a period of three weeks, and it, it just seemed like, you remember the story about uh, Cornelius and how Peter, in the book of Acts, had those three dreams, right, visions, when the, when the uh, sheet came down. Was that three times? Right, it was three times, wasn't it? And, and it came down, and uh, at the end of that three, uh, he was at Simon the Tanner's house, which is pretty unique, because he was at a place where they guess they killed animals and skinned them, you know. So maybe God was already doing a work in his heart. But after those three visions, he was convinced that, you know what, the Gentiles, God is accepting the Gentiles. And so he goes to Cornelius' house, and I remember that there was, there was a period there, every Friday, I kind of got to expect that God would show me something amazing every Friday. And, and three Fridays in a row. And it was like, okay, God, what are you going to show me this Friday? And uh, it, it, was, it was exciting. But I remember one particular Friday, uh, there was a young man that did plumbing for us. His name was John Grabowski, and I may actually be talking about him more later. But he had a son named Scott, and Scott was 30 years old and had an aneurysm. And 
was not ex well. He wasn't very well. I mean, he survived the at first the initial aneurysm, and I remember uh, I was thinking, you know what? I would really like to go and see Scott. He was in intensive care. In, in intensive care, I'm not a, a pastor, so I uh, you know it's a little difficult to get in. So I but I went up and I and I not related or anything, and I and I was praying that God would that God would. Uh, just help me to to share with Scott some some scriptures that could be an encouragement. Some scriptures, uh, just talk about the Word of God. And so I was there praying and asking if I could get in. And finally, they come out and said, "Yeah, you can go back in." And so I go back in with Scott, and there he is, all wired up, 31, 32 years old. And and I look at him and I take his hand, and we just that's all we talk about. We just talk about scripture. We just talk about the Word of God. We just talk about God. It was good. It was really good. I remember feeling so blessed. I remember feeling so close to God. Right? You've had those times, right? You have those times. I'm sure you do. I went home, back to the office. And the internet was fairly new to me then yet. But anyway... I I, uh, I I looked at some pictures on the internet that I should not have looked at, and it, and it just hit me. You know what? The same grace that it takes for Scott Gerwalski, the same grace of God that Scott needs, is the grace that Ronnie Miller needs. I need the same grace. I'm not super spiritual. I'm no different than Scott. I need the same grace of God, right? How are we going to impact our world? How are we going to impact our culture? I think it's when we recognize that, you know, and I don't think Jesus is saying in this, in this story to Simon that you need to go out and sin a lot so you can really feel forgiven a lot, right? I don't think Jesus is telling that. But as we get to know the God of this book, guess what? We'll recognize our great need of God. Whether we're, whether we're here or there, it doesn't matter. We need God. And in this group here today, I'm sure there's various levels of, uh, of um, I, don't know what, I, don't, I don't know what the word maturity, I don't know if that's a word, but there's, there's, there's various levels of, where we are in our relationship with God, right? It doesn't matter. Wherever you are, maybe you're, quote, not saved, okay? I, I, but, and maybe you are. I, I, I don't know. We all need God, right? We all need His grace. We're not something un, somebody unique and special because I was born into this family or I'm, I, I can sing beautifully, or, right? We need God's grace. And I think... The more that we can that we can live in this reality, maybe the more influential we can be in our world. Maybe. Remember, I said that. Psalm 31, you were placed here for this particular time and place. Psalm 31, 15 says, David says, my times are in 
your hands. Isn't that beautiful? You are here now for a particular reason. And although we all long to, as, as I said, we long to make a difference, we long to impact, we want to influence, right? I think we're all there, right? You feel that? You feel that longing to, to make a difference in this world? The, the, we have some adverbs, right? How, right? When? Okay, I'm ready, but when? Where? And God really wants to answer those questions for us. Sometimes people try to answer them for us. Have you had a, have you had a couple of people, uh, uh, some people already try to help you out with those? And it's not necessarily wrong. I, um, our parents can help us, right? We try to influence. We try to impact. Our friends can help us, right? Uh, you've, you've had your friends, you had an idea and they said, you know, what about this? And when you listen to their advice, it actually was pretty good, right? What, what we get into trouble with, however, is when we try to take people and control that dream or that vision. I remember we had a, we had a fella, just a, just a dedicated man. He, 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 uh, he moved into our community from northern Ohio, uh, left the Whistler. I don't know if you're familiar with the Whistler Mennonites, but he left that group and joined. Uh, we're, we're beachy, okay? case you haven't noticed yet. Uh, but anyway, so, but, but Alfred really had a, had a heart for God. And he left it, he left a setting where, where there was affluence and there was lots of money and there was wealth and, and, um, and, and he was sort of turned, maybe, maybe, maybe to a degree, you know, said, you know what, I don't really need that. I don't want that. I'm going to go buy me a little place in Guernsey County and I'm going to, uh, I can do with less. And he did with less. It was admirable what he did, how he lived. I, I mean, I, I, I don't know if my wife would want to live that. Uh, okay, me. <laughs> I'm not sure if, if, if we could live that way, okay? But he did. Alfred actually went to, to uh, Bolivia as a missionary and really just connected with the people, blessed the people. He lived in a in a tent for a while. His wife cooked on an open fire. And this is a, fan, a man with a children, right? He has children. And so they're living in this tent. For a while, he had a house with a, with a blue tarp over top of it because the roof was so bad. So he just put a blue tarp over top. And if you Google Earth, okay, that's also not in the dictionary. Google Earth, uh, you could see the blue tarp. Yeah. In fact, they called him Brother Tarp. That was his name. But, but uh, Alfred came back to our church uh, at one time, and he shared a powerful message. He shared, a, he shared a powerful message about how, you know, the Bible talks a lot about money. The Bible talks a lot about how we should use our money, how we should live. You know, it, it's, an, it's an amazing subject that's pretty scary for some of us to go because it kind of, it, 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 it kind of, we're not quite sure if we're, we're really following Jesus after we read some of those scriptures, right? We wonder. We wonder about ourselves. But, but Alfred gave a wonderful presentation. But you know what? After that meeting, you know what I sensed? There were some people who weren't real excited about what he shared that night. Now, why do you suppose they felt that way? Now, we can get sort of critical and we can say, well, there was the truth, just like that sign there, right? A portion kills children. That's, that's, that's truth. But uh, 
this was this was my assessment of it. As I thought about it, this is something that I wrote up after that uh, time. I'm not very much of a writer, but if I get inspired, I do okay. Okay, my inspirations just don't come often enough. But uh, here's what I wrote after that: We are called to a person, Jesus Christ. Paul makes this clear. When he calls us to follow me as I follow Christ, Paul tells us who to follow, not what. You know, I really believe that there are people who are called to make money. God God has different callings for us. And so I think the uneasiness that we were sensing that particular night was that maybe it was a call to follow what Alfred was called to follow, right? Have you ever felt that way? Have you ever talked that way? Uh, We can, uh, and so, let me continue reading. Paul does not require us. Okay, Paul could have, Paul had some pretty amazing experiences too, right? He could have required us to be beaten with rods three times, to be stoned, shipwrecked three times, to spend a day and night in the water, or to be let down out of a window in a basket. He could have said, the one requirement for all of you is to be let down in a basket once a year. This was a great experience for me. Did something for me. But he is not calling us to walk the same walk as he walked, but to follow the same person that he followed. To follow Christ may mean and look like something a lot different than what Paul experienced. God did not call everyone in the Bible to live in tents like Abraham, or in our contemporary world to live under blue tarps like Alfred. God's call in our lives is a serious matter, however. God's call is not an option for us. In fact, the Apostle Paul several times calls himself a servant, literally slave of Jesus Christ. James and Peter call themselves the same thing. We must obey God. How can we develop an environment where people are encouraged to know and then act upon what God is asking them to do? I think that's really what I would love to see. That's what I would love to see in our church, in our churches, that we would be able to develop a culture within our groups even, where we can encourage people to know and then act, right? I mean, it's one thing, it's really one thing to discover what God wants you to do, right? It's, but, but, then, but then to have the courage to do it, that's even another thing, right? So if we could have, be surrounded, if you're friends, if you're a church, if we could be surrounded with a group of people who are calling us to dream, who are calling us to have vision. In fact, Jesus promised that it was prophesied in the Old Testament that there would be young men shall have, what did it say? Old men shall have, I have it right here. Romans, no, I'm sorry. Acts 2, 17 and 18. Let's just, let's just, uh, I'm going to take a, the time to read that. Acts 2. 17 and 18. 
It's a prophecy from the Old Testament. And it shall come to pass in the last day, saith God, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Wow. And your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. And on my servants and on my handmaidens, I will pour out in those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. Wow. Ladies, when's the last time you've prophesied? This is what God would say, would, this is what God said would happen in these days in which we live. When his spirit moves among us, we're going to have dreamers. We're going to have people with vision. We're going to have people who are prophesying. Do you see it happening? Is it happening in your life? Are we making it, I, I guess, a part of my vision, and I'm, talk, I'm talking to you here, but from my generation, I'm speaking now to my generation and older. Are we making it possible for our people to dream? For our people to have, whatever your dream is, I am convinced that it's not big enough, right? I'm convinced that what you're dreaming is not big enough because isn't it uh, in Romans where it says, Ephesians, he is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we could ask or even think. Now I can ask some pretty big things, right? And I can even dream bigger in my mind. But God wants to do something for us, in us, for us, that is greater than we can even imagine or think. That's pretty amazing. But like I said, I can't call you to that. I can't, I can't, you know, I, I was thinking about Abraham. God's call on Abraham's life was amazing. And, 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 and God called him to, to offer up his son. I, I, have any of your churches ever gotten that serious about following God? Have you heard, one of you, anybody been called to offer up their son? And, uh, as a sacrifice. We can't, we can't do that. God, and we would, we would never, we would never call anybody to that, right? We can't do that, but God can. And that's why I think as we try to call us to, to some of these things, we don't go far enough. We don't know what to call people to, but God can call us to amazing things. He did Abraham. Joseph, I, I love the story of Joseph. And there's a verse right at the beginning when you read about Joseph's life and you know the story about how he, it says, and Joseph dreamed a dream, right? Joseph dreamed a dream. The road ahead after that, after that dream was a road that was difficult. It was a road of accusations that were false. It was a road to slavery. It was a road, in all that, Joseph was faithful. And I, and I think, and this is just my thinking, okay, but I think what gave Joseph his courage, what helped Joseph, of course it was God, but it was as Joseph dreamed a dream. If you can have a dream, if God has worked in your life and you have a vision, okay, of what God is, Joseph, I'm sure, did not know the fulfillment of that. But I can see this this wonderful call of God, this Joseph knew he dreamed a dream. Joseph knew that God was going to fulfill that dream. He didn't know how it was going to happen, right? 
He didn't, I'm sure he didn't know all the details, but he was confident that God had showed him a dream. And I think, for me, there is something as we dream, as we have visions, this, this Acts 2, there is something that gives us courage when we're when we're when we're uh, when we're uh, when we have when we have these dreams and visions. The Bible is so full of of people who have who have had these, who've been courageous, who've been willing. We we mentioned a few of them: Daniel, Jonathan, and his armor bearer. And I think as we think about impacting our culture, as we think about dreaming, as we think about visions, as we think about understanding and knowing God, as we think about God wanting to show us what he wants to do in our lives. In fact, he wants us to know. He longs for us to know his will, right? Romans 12, that ye may know what is that good and perfect will of God. So how do we find out? And that's really what I'd like to talk about in the, in the next session. How are we going to know? How can we start this journey of discovering? How can we become ignited? <laughs> to, 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 and this vision can be developed. And how can we know? Is it just that God is going to, I don't know, write it in the sky? But I love Joseph's, I love Joseph's, and I'm like, uh, when, when, uh, when he was called to the big event, okay, we had these little things through the way. He, you know, we had him cast into prison and Potiphar's wife and, and uh, him being faithful in the possessions and, and uh, going to prison and rising in the ranks there to being chaplain of the prison and overseeing the men and events, small events in our lives. And I think as we are faithful in doing those small things, we're prepared for the big events. And I'd like for you to open your, there's an amazing verse in Genesis about Joseph, Genesis 41, 14. I'm actually going to close with this, uh, with this thought here. 41, 14. Then Pharaoh sent and called Joseph, and they brought him hastily out of the dungeon. And he shaved himself and changed his raiment and came in unto Pharaoh. How can we live our lives in, in such a way that when the big time comes, when the time comes, although Joseph was having an impact on his culture, right? Joseph was influencing his culture. Joseph was making a difference in a small way in the world in which he was. And he was faithful in that. All Joseph had to do when he came to the big event, right, was to shave and to change his clothes. He didn't have to say, you know, oh, give me, give me some time. I, I need a week to fast and pray, right? I, I, just a little bit of time would be helpful. But Joseph was ready for the opportunity. Let's live our lives in such a way that all we need to do is shave and change our clothes. And we'll be ready for the big events.